Are you looking for food truck books to read, but you're starting to feel overwhelmed with all the content? Or maybe you're trying to find answers to your questions, but you realize you haven't asked the right questions to get those answers. Well, you're in luck. I wrote the book, Before You Launch a Food Truck, Eight Questions Every Aspiring Food Trucker Should Ask. For the past five years, I have been studying the food truck industry and been a diehard food truck customer. And in the process of that, I've learned a lot about what makes a good food truck stand out among the rest. I took eight of those key concepts and created a book where I could have curbside conversations with each of you about them. What makes this book different is not only that it's digestible and designed to not overwhelm you, but it also propels you into action. You can purchase Before You Launch a Food Truck today at thefoodtruckscholar.com shop in paperback and ebook format, as well as on Amazon. For every copy purchased, I'm donating a copy to organizations committed to helping formerly incarcerated individuals re-enter society, particularly those that are interested in starting their own food business. So, Buy a copy today to help yourself and someone else get rolling and keep trucking. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Food Truck Scholar Podcast, brought to you by BGT Gifts. I'm your host, Ariel D. Smith, and I appreciate you for choosing to kick it with me for yet another episode. Food truck owners are hustlers who make their dreams happen. Today's guest is a brother that takes that to the next level. To some on social media, Derek Wood is the owner of My Barbecue Man and a food business coach. But to the residents of Dumfries, Virginia, he's so much more. He's also the mayor. That's right, the mayor. Today, Derek and I talk about his entry into the food truck industry and public service and how his hustle has fueled both. But for now, sit back and relax. The show starts now. We interrupt this broadcast for a special Food Truck in the News report. Earlier this season, I talked to you about a food truck bill that was taken up by the Georgia Food Truck Association that if it was to pass, it would secure the rights for food truck owners to only need to get one health permit to operate throughout the state of Georgia, meaning they would not have to get a permit from the health department for every county they operated in. So far, it looks like it has passed the state's house. However, we are still waiting for it to go through the state Senate. The measure now goes to the Senate for committee assignment according to NPR. If it passes the Senate and it is signed into law, it will go into effect January 1st, 2023. I wanted to clear some of the rumors that I've heard swirling around a lot of spaces that saying that it has already gone into effect. It has not gone into effect. What we are seeing right now is that so far it has cleared the House from what I'm understanding, but we still need it to pass the state Senate. If it goes through the state Senate, this will take into effect January 1st, 2023. Here are some things that we haven't talked about yet. We do not know if other counties would require more red tape for them to go through. So say, for example, Georgia passes it. If Georgia passes it and says, hey, you only need one permit from the health department, 
Now, this has nothing to do with your business permit. This has nothing to do with your business license. We're only talking about your permit from the health department. What could happen is that they'll say, hey, let's say you're in Fulton County, that this is your main permit. But if you want to go into, I guess, Gwinnett County, right, and you want to use, operate your food truck there, it's a possibility that even though you may not have to go through a full process, they still may have you pay some type of fee. You still might have to go through some type of inspection. We have no idea what exactly that could look like just yet. Uh, what we can say, though, is that we've seen some of this happen in Florida. So Florida is a prime example of a food truck state that has passed, I think, in 2020, where you only needed one permit from the health department and that all the other counties would recognize it. However, what we have seen is that each of these counties and different cities and municipalities have added their own red tape. So it's like, yeah, they recognize it, but you still have other hoops and hurdles that you have to go through for each of these counties. So on one hand, it made it easy. On the other hand, it's like frustrating. So we don't know exactly how Georgia is going to execute this. However, what I will say is the fact that it has made it through the House and it is on its way to the Senate. This is great progress. This is also a precedent other states could follow. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if I saw other um, food truck groups, other food truck associations, food truck advocates come together in different states and try to set this as a precedent since we have Georgia and Florida that have already done it. Florida's already done it. Georgia's in the process of doing it, has come a long way. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we see other people use them as case studies to advance, you know, the food truck scene, food truck legislation, food truck regulations in their own respective home state. But once again, I do want to make this very clear because I've seen this, you know, spread in a lot of different uh, places is that this has not yet passed. It has not yet passed. It has only passed the House from what I understand. It has yet to go to the Senate. It is on its way to the Senate. If it passes the Georgia State Senate, then it will go into effect January 1st, 2023. Again, we're talking about the food truck regula regulations in the state of Georgia. And if you can use one health department permit for every county in Georgia, it has not yet gone into law because it has not yet been passed by the Senate. So fingers crossed that it passes the Senate and then we'll be waiting to see exactly how each county responds to it, if they allow it with no hiccups, or if this county step in and say, hey, you may need to pay an additional fee. We may need you to do additional inspections. We may need you to do paperwork. We will see how that turns out. But for now, I'm Ariel D. Smith, and this has been Food Trucks in the News. This is why I love season four, because you never know who you're going to meet. And we now have a first on the podcast. We got a brother that's not only a food truck owner, but is a mayor. So if you thought I was busy as the food truck scholar, I don't think I got anything on this brother. So... Mr. Derek Wood, how you doing, man? Man, I'm unbelievable and I'm getting better. Thanks for asking. How you doing today, I'm doing great. I can't complain. I am here doing interviews again. So this is where my heart is truly at. So I am excited to hear more about you and your story. So we're going to start from the beginning is 
how did you get into food? Was it that your grandmama was teaching you when you was five or, you know, you just started making plates and people couldn't turn you down? How did this start? It's funny. I started as a latchkey kid. Now, for some of them young folks who don't know what latchkey kid, it's a kid who had the key tied around their neck on a shoestring. And I used to let myself in the house after school. We had after school programs and we had all the stuff. And that was kind of like what we did. And so I was the grilled cheese, pork and beans, burnt toast, you know, the sugar sandwiches, you know, the little jelly sandwiches, you know. And so it migrated up to the fact to when I started experimenting with fried chicken, right? Because I saw my mom and them do it in the brown paper bag and the little cast iron frying pan. And I remember, I remember the first time I did this. I had to be, now I had to be about fifth grade at the time. Uh-huh. And I got tired of, I was like, I'm tired of pork and beans. I'm tired of these oodles and noodles. Oh my gosh, I did oodles and noodles every which way, <laughs> right? I took the little bag of flour and I shook it up and had the chicken, seasoned it. Cause I don't know how they buy their flour now, but when we used to buy flour, it didn't come seasoned. So I had the flour nice and seasoned and the chicken nice and seasoned. And I put that thing in there and I had that ch- chicken nice, crispy, and brown. It was pretty. But when I put it on the play area, I promise you, it it started it started talking to me. It was like, Not so talking to it looked you. pretty, but but it wasn't done. So it was, it was some of my first lessons in cooking. Not talking. First of all. If you was not raised with somebody in your family fried the chicken in a brown paper bag, I don't want your fried chicken. <laughs> Let's just, just lay it out there, okay? I, I want the fried, I want the brown paper bag. That's number one. So you're good with me, Derek. That's number one. And then number two, you said it was talking back to you. So it had its final clucks. It was still it wasn't done. It had still more to say to you. But I put it back in there and I finished it off. You know, it didn't look as pretty. It got a little bit darker, but it was my first experience. And it, it gave me the cooking bug, right? That I didn't really know I had and from pancakes. I was a guy in the neighborhood because I lived in a 16 story high rise building. So all my friends, we spent summers with bags of potatoes and oodles and noodles and everything. And then we had a good protein that we can work with. And I would be the one experiment making the spaghetti, you know, making the lasagna, doing whatever with the potatoes. So. I was that guy and I was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna make a career out of this. So tell me, what was that like? You said, okay, you know what? Oodles and noodles ain't the move. But what is finna be the move is food and cooking. So what made you decide, okay, this is gonna be a full-time thing and then walk me through what that journey looked like for you? So it was like, I knew in my mind, you know, and so I, I was, you know, my daddy, my all, everybody entrepreneurs, right? And mm-hmm. so I said to myself, I want to open a restaurant. I want to feed people. Like I really enjoyed, I think what food did for people, like how food brought people together, like how we can. And I didn't realize that's what it was at the time, but you look back, like everybody came together around food. And you said something earlier. I remember my grandfather's mother sitting me up at a stool, four or five years old. And I'm just watching her in the kitchen with these big pots. Mama doing what she, mom, we called the mama. She did what she had to do to cook, feed the whole family. And some of the techniques now, I look at what I do and it's wild for me sitting in the kitchen watching just those little techniques. That's something 
you don't pick up learning the French style of cooking that they teach you in culinary school and all of that. That's cooking from right in here, knowing how to season it right and putting that together. And so my journey went, uh, my first job, I was in 11th grade in a place, was in a nursing home. And I actually started out washing dishes. I was a dishwasher, and but I worked my way over to dietary aid. From dietary aid, I was in a work study program my senior year, which I got introduced to somebody who owned a barbecue restaurant in downtown Silver Spring, Maryland. It was called Little Bud's Gourmet Barbecue and Southern Cuisine. It was downtown Silver Spring, Maryland, Georgia Avenue. And I got in there, again, as a dishwasher. And I hope people understand, like, it was, I didn't care how I got in most of the time in the restaurants. I knew it was something I was going to do. I just need to get in. And once they put me there, I learned everything else I needed. They put me on cutting up greens. They put me on boiling yams and slicing the yams. They put me on the red, the red potatoes and broccoli and the, the hopping john, the black eyed peas and the rice. And, you know, I got to learn all of that to eventually I was on the grill learning how to really get the flames and do the fire. And that was my first love and introduction to barbecue. And I wow. was like, oh, yeah, because, you know, growing up, we, we had burnt food. We had cookouts. But then to really have gourmet barbecue where I was doing beef short ribs and we was doing chicken breasts and uh, chicken thighs on the grill. And uh, I started learning how to grill salmon and uh, red snapper and even catfish on the grill, right? And we would serve that thing, man. And it was times where I was running that whole restaurant by myself from a situation. So that was an exciting experience. Uh, for me really getting my foot into barbecue. And that was around 95, 96, and then 97. Between 96 and 97, it kind of went down because of the economy. At the time. And I ended up joining the military and I became a comptroller, like where I really didn't want to do it. I actually asked the military to let me go as a cook, but I think I scored too high on the ASVAB. And it was <laughs> like, hey, why don't you think about being an accountant? And I was like, huh? And they said, if you be an accountant, we'll give you $2,000. But you need to leave in the next two weeks. And so I went there and I was on that journey for eight years wow. until I was like, wait, I want to cook. Wow. Wow. It's crazy because as I'm listening to your stories, I hear just so many different similarities of people that we've had on the show. And that just lets me know that, you know, this is a path that so many people experience, whether it was your grandfather's mother, your great grandmother, exposing you to the world of cooking, whether it's playing around with different foods and figuring out what works for you and then being exposed to what the culinary scene looks like on a formal stage, so to speak, and trying different things that you haven't done before. Even the military, you know, we've had a lot of different people on the show, men and women that have served the country and said, you know what? It, in a many ways, it kind of exposed them into this is what I want to do full time. And so you're in this space. You serve eight years. Thank you for your service, by the way. And you decide to come out and you want to do food. What made you go the food truck route? So <laughs> I, I never want, I never, like, you almost get into this route by accident. And it's a low barrier entry. And so my, my last year in the military, 2005, I know I'm at the point where I actually asked them, I said, hey, can I switch over and be a cook now? Like, I'm not a desk guy. Like, as a comptroller, you're dealing with numbers and you're exposed. And I was and I was like, eh, I'm bored. I was throwing parties all the time, doing all this. So I actually started putting together a business plan. 
I put the financials together, five-year best-case scenario, five-year worst-case scenario, five-year break-even scenario, had this nice business plan. It was a, it was a thick old binder. I used to stay up. Like, when I got off of work, I would stay up to, like, three, four o'clock in the morning mm. doing the intricate details and the research and found the building that I actually wanted that was close to the military base that I was at. Walked that thing into a Bank of America. The bank manager looked at it. She was like, oh my gosh. She was like, let me call you tomorrow. The cabinet looked at it, called me and said, well, first we ain't never seen nobody bring this level of detail for trying to get a loan from us, right? Too, because I, I didn't know what I needed to do at the time. I just said, mm -hmm. oh, let me put together a financial plan and see if they're, they're back. And let me show them how I'm going to pay them back and the numbers and all of that. It was so far. They said, hey, the SBA uh, banks, we're not back in any restaurants right now. Wow. And I was like, yeah. So at <laughs> that time, I was like, wow, what am I going to do? I just told the military I'm not going to re-enlist. I'm not going to do it again. And so a friend of mine who I had met out networking was in the mortgage business and she said oh man you're good with people come on over here just learn how the money works now i knew nothing about subprime loans now going down a whole little rabbit hole of an industry and it and it took me like this whole process and the relationships i built on that that time frame but it began to implode and i was like a frog who you put in a pot of water and when you turn the heat up on the frog the frog just sits in there gets bored to death rather and then jump out. I got in for that first almost year. It was good. I was making money. Next thing I know, it started to implode. All these companies start just dying out. And I'm thinking, I bought me another property or whatever. I begin to lose properties, right? And wow. I begin, I even foreclosed on my own property during this time. And I remember um, sitting on a panel when Joe Biden was uh, campaigning with then candidate Barack Obama in 2007, eight, and just telling my story about, hey, I felt like I, I got fraud because I knew nothing about this stuff. And I'm, I'm in the process of losing my property as well. And so it was just interesting that at this time as it's imploded, I'm still that frog in the pot. I still stay in, but something tells me they create, George Bush created a program for people to go back to school and it's called the post 9-11 GI Bill. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go back to school and I went back to culinary school at the time while I was still doing the mortgage business just because it was one, right? It was an opportunity for me to get paid to go to school, right? They paid full tuition plus they gave me a housing allowance. So now I'm in transitioning from uh, losing a house. Now I got to rebuild everything back mm. up, right? And then in the mortgage business, you know, okay, you can bounce back from a foreclosure. I mean, I since have bought a house again and done all that other stuff. But that process I had to go through to get there. Wow. I know it's a long answer to me getting to how I got into the mobile food yeah. side. But, but I think it's important to see, like, the process, mm -hmm. right? Everybody see your shine, but they don't know your grind, right? Right. And they think that you're an overnight success, but they don't know that 10 years was a long night. <laughs> that's <Steven>. true <laughs> that is right. true yeah so that, that was a long night like you, you don't you don't become successful overnight you become successful every day right it, it's, it's a daily type every grind day and, and it's night. a process every so day and night. I'm at the point where I'm back in culinary school right because I'm like alright I never thought I'd be back in school trying to get another degree I had an associate's 
that I did in the first four years of the military. So I went back, got my bachelor's in hospitality management, ended up getting my master's in business administration. And at the time, I knew that. So I was still trying to do mortgages, right? Mm -hmm. And it was at the point where I wasn't closing any deals because the rules were changing daily. Like the loans that I was closing yesterday, tomorrow I can't close, right? And so the rules were changing and I didn't quit. I didn't walk away. I ended up, it was like, you know, and this is funny, the only thing I never told is that this is a good story to tell. I actually got fired. Like I got pulled, like God gonna kind of, you know, God gonna put you in a situation where he gonna push you out and push you into your purpose, right? And I always knew, you know, like I told you, I knew from an early age that this is what I was gonna do. You know, my wife, she says I'm an anomaly or something like that. Because I knew that the restaurant industry, hospitality was something I was gonna be in. So I got pushed out where it forced me to now get back to my passion, right? Which was cooking, right? And it's almost like, all right, what do I have? I have this, this gift to serve people. And so I started in my backyard, right? So my first mobile business with food was in my backyard on the grill. And I, I created my logo of my company. Remember I went to school, so I had already wrote a business plan. I had already had a concept. So now at the time, this is when fiber was really only $5. I don't know what, you know, we don't come a long way down with fiber. Fiber got all kinds of problems. But back in like 2009, 10, it was $5. You could go get some flyer designs and all that. This is way before Canva, posted my wall, all the other stuff. We just had to pay graphic artists to kind of do stuff for you. Then we could do it on our own. And so I was in that situation where I had my flyer design, had all of my stuff on it. And I took those around to the barbershops and the beauty salons. And I didn't just drop the flyers off saying, call me. I would give the owner or some other barbers I knew, I would drop them off a plate. Now, I ain't got no money. I ain't got nothing, but it's bare minimum. But I'm planting seeds, right? It's important. Right? I didn't go in there asking nobody for nothing. I gave them some information and I gave them my food and say, hey, if they ever want anything, they give me a call, right? And I think a lot of people build off asking people to invest, invest, and you haven't even tested your proof of concept. And so it was giving me an opportunity to go to these beauty salons and barbershops to really develop my uh, proof of concept. So from that, I, I ended up expanding on that and I would go around and actually, <laughs> I brought a little crock pot at Sam's Club. They had these three little crock pots that came in this small little thing. I found a cigarette lighter adopter. I had my Ford Expedition. The shocks was broken, so that thing was on like a little lead. So I would, I would be bouncing. Let me tell you, man, y'all gotta understand the process, man. Cause I know everybody see the shine, they see my my Instagram page and all that now, but they gotta go back ten years and look at the pictures of where I came from to get here. And so I used to take these little sample cups and I would walk into barbershops and beauty salons, and I would just pass out the samples for people to taste. And then if they say, hey. You selling that? I'd be like, absolutely, you need a plate. And I was selling hot plates, like literally making them to order out the back of the car. Man, when I tell you about a grind, <laughs> if this wasn't a grind, I don't know what is. And so what is the year that you actually is able to get the trailer, the food truck? So let me see. So that was 2010, I'm doing that, uh, 2011. I moved to a tent operation. Like I started doing farmers markets. Then I started doing small events. I was borrowing people 
little mobile grills, pulling in the farmer's market. I had to rate U-Hauls starting out. A lot of people don't look at tent operations as a beginner pop-up. Like I, like most people wait till they got the money to get started, right? And the secret to getting ahead is really getting started, right? So I just started with what I had. I went and bought a $200 tent from Sam's Club or whatever that had all the little things. Bought a couple of tables. I think they were $35 from uh, Walmart, tablecloths. Put some little uh, sternos and stuff and bought the grills out and just start selling, right? And so this is what you literally call bootstrapping, right? Most people are trying to get money and loans, but you can bootstrap your business and you can start with what you have, and which is what I did. So from there, it was like, okay, how do I get my dream smoker, right? Because at that time, I wasn't thinking food truck still. I still wasn't thinking trailer. And so I saw barbecue competition. I would go look at these big festivals and I would see the lines and I would see how many people were at these county fairs and at these barbecue festivals. And I was like, okay, I got to get into this. And I would look and, and it would be pricey. And I'd be like, man, how am I going to get the money to get in? So I had a bright idea. I said, I'm going to create a barbecue team and I'm going to get sponsors for my team. And so I, I put together a team with some of the baddest guys that I knew that, that barbecue, but also they had different skill set. One guy was good at uh, like marketing. He had his own media company. Shout out to Eugene DC Life Magazine. It's a lifestyle magazine. And he had all the metrics for really marketing and promoting this. I was the sales guy, right? So I was like, all right, I put together a list of everything I needed to put a barbecue team together. I was like, this is gonna be like a NASCAR. We're gonna get t-shirts. We're gonna put everybody logo on this thing. And we're going to raise the money. I already had identified the grill I want. And it was like $7,500 for that grill. Right? And it was a timeline. And I think we started this thing like seven, eight months out because I knew what the big DC barbecue festival was. So the metrics I use, look how creative I was, man. You know, it only takes an idea. You're only one idea away from really getting what you need for your business. I took the metrics off of the DC barbecue battle. It was like the 24th event. They had all the metrics in their media package. I took that, put that in my package, and then I sold chef table tickets to the event, right? So <laughs> I purchased a bunch of extra tickets, and I said, hey, you can sit around the grill as we bring off competition-style barbecue. And then on top of that, the sponsors, right, I was putting their names on the banner, and they was getting exposed to uh, 100,000 people on Pennsylvania Avenue in D.C., right? So... You know, I'm selling $5,000, $1,000, $1,500, dollars spots, right? And that's how I end up raising the money. I had two title sponsors that fought. I picked one. I ain't going to bring their names up in this, but they wrote the, the biggest check to help me get that first grill. And I, I put the deposit down, and then I continued to raise. Like, my team couldn't even believe it. They was like, yo, you got these people writing you checks? And that's how I got my first investments uh, to get that trailer. From that trailer it allowed me to really grow and expand because now I used to, instead of now riding around with the truck, with the, the crock pots in the back, mm -hmm. now I'm riding around with a hot grill to all the barbershops and the beauty salons through the week. Like what? Let's go. The grill is hot. I got food in here. It, it led to more catering jobs. It led to more events. And as you start using your point of sale system, they start to notice I'm starting to raise more money. And so then they start giving me advances. And I found my first food truck. It was like six or seven thousand. It was a shell of a truck, mm -hmm. right? 
pick the guy. No, he ended up winning. I tried to give him six or seven. He wanted 10, so I gave him 10. It's a white truck if you go through my uh, Instagram timeline. It's a white truck. I put magnets on it because it was magnetic. It was cheap. I didn't wrap it, right? And to be quite frank, I never used none of the stuff on the inside, right? Because mm-hmm. to me now, I got used to the grill and the smoke and the table. So the tent pop-up for me was like, okay. I started getting bigger signage and flags, and I would put flags up. And the smoke would draw the crowd. So when I needed to get into a food truck festival, I had the truck, but I never set up inside the truck. I set up on the outside with the grill. So it was just an interesting concept. So that's how I got my first truck. And what year was the truck? The truck was, I want to say 2012, 2012, 2013, somewhere around there. Okay. So 12, 13 ish, but the military is, that's when you're leaving like in 05 or so. So this is a seven or eight year time span that it takes from saying, okay, you know, this is something that I really want to do into this is when we actually get the truck. And the reason why I want to bring that out in terms of, in terms of time is that there are some people that can do it in 30 days. There's some people that they up and they do it ASAP and that works for some people, but also to recognize that for some, it may not happen immediately. So not to necessarily compare your journey to someone else. I know I've had a lot of different people on the show that said, Hey, I walked out, I started, boom, I made it happen in that time frame, And that's wonderful. Not everybody may go through that. So I just wanted to just emphasize that. Now you can't come on my show and talk about barbecue and not tell me some of your key flavors, some of your key plates. So break that down for me. What you got on this truck? So I like to say I specialize one, my sauce, right? It's a sweet and tangy. I call it Kansas city meets North Carolina. Okay. So I call it the best of both worlds. Kansas city meets North Carolina. It's that Kansas city sweet red, with that kit that with that North Carolina tang. And so I I do a nice little hybrid sauce, but sauce is actually optional on my meat because I make a dry rub, which is what I actually started selling first was that dry rub. Mm. And so I I handcraft all my ribs. So I take a I start with a full spare rib and we actually handcraft all our ribs. And we take the little brisket bone off. I take that brisket bone meat and I cut it up and I make rib tips. Right, probably one of the only ones. So I talk a lot of trash when I go to the barbecue festivals because most of them buy prefabricated St. Louis ribs. I'm handcrafting my ribs. And so I'm telling all the people at the fair, I got the best looking slab of ribs in the fair, guaranteed. If you find something that looks better, I'm buying it for you. Right? Okay. So the ribs are, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. First of all, now I got to come to Dumfries, Virginia because I got I to see these ribs. That's. <laughs> That's what's up. But as if running a food truck is already hard by itself. I mean, you got to you're very, you know, sensitive to the weather because if it's pouring down rain, people ain't coming. If it's cold, people ain't staying out in the cold. If it's too hot, they may or may not stand out there. You know, it's volatile right now. We're in a state, a space where the supply chain is really impacting a lot of things in terms of cost and price and we may have to, have to bring you back later on to talk about that even more <laughs> in depth for sure. But as if you didn't need anything else more to what you already do, as if you didn't need anything else added to your resume, you're not just a barbecue man, you also the mayor 
So which one happened first? Food truck, mayor, how do you make it all work? So in 2012, around that time, I started finding businesses to partner with. So I found a bakery that I wanted to partner with. This is how you got to get creative, right? Because me is by any means necessary. I had a why, like I had a family that was dependent on me because I was the breadwinner. So I needed to get out there and get it. I had three kids and a wife, right? So it's by any means necessary. I tell people if your why is big enough, the how don't matter. Like you get real creative when the building is on fire and you got to get in that building to save your family, right? It doesn't matter how hot the flames are, what doors is in there, you're going to get in there. So I partnered with a bakery and I said, hey, let me sell my barbecue and help you sell your dessert to your, your coffee or whatever, right? I said, I'm going to package every meal with that. I'm going to sit outside on your lawn. So one day I get a letter from the town government that says cease and desist, right? This is around 2011-12, right? And I'm like, what? Cease and desist? And the issue is, this is when the food truck boom was starting. So a lot of localities didn't have any regulations. They didn't have no zoning regulations, nothing. So I didn't know what local government was. I went and asked them for a permit and they say, oh yeah, we don't have nothing that allow you to do it. So in my mind, you don't have nothing that allow me to do it. That means you don't have nothing to say I can't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Right, so no harm, no foul. I'm gonna ask forgiveness, not permission. So they kicked me off the side of the road with a certified letter says cease and desist. I wish I still had a copy of that, but I don't. That would be good in my book. So anyway, I got kicked off. And so everybody at the time was rallying for the small business. They say, hey, you ought to go to the council meeting. And I was like, what is a council meeting? Right? I had no clue because I avoided politics like it was a plague or something. Like I didn't want no part of it because of what we see on TV, like yeah. MSNBC, Fox and CNN. So all you think is politics is what's happening in Washington, D.C. You don't think that politics happens in your own backyard. So they say, all right, let's go to the meeting. I go to the meeting and it's almost like a little Jerry Springer type show. Like it's a bunch of infighting and fighting and I get up there and talk about my problems. And and it's at that time that I'm sitting back watching other business owners get up on the mic that like, who am I to complain if I'm not willing to become the solution, right? Like we are the solution to our own problems. And so I was like, I'm a, not only complain, but I'm presenting a solution. And some people came to me, they say, hey, you ought to run for council and I didn't know what it was. Actually, I ran and lost, but I had great ideas during some of the debates and I ended up getting mentored by the then vice mayor who said, let me teach you the language of politics. Just like the food industry got a language, politics has a language. And so later on, six, seven, 2018, I ran for mayor and I won. Wow. Wow. So this is a treat for me. So congratulations, Mr. Mayor. But what's really cool is that, and you're right, you know, 08, 09, even into 13 was like the first boom of the food truck space, where it's now coming up on everybody's radar. This is something that places in, you know, LA, New York, Las Vegas, even different spots in Birmingham, they were doing. But when you hit this time frame, now everybody's thinking about it. And what happened was that a lot of municipalities weren't prepared for it. They had no idea what food trucks were. They didn't have the legislation for it. They didn't have the language for it. Even my hometown of Birmingham, Alabama, they was categorizing it like an ice cream truck, although it did not function the exact same way and had different things they had to do. They were not educated on that space. 
And we still have a lot of city officials that are still very much trying to wrap their mind around it. And there's been so many different case studies that we can point to. Uh, Chicago is one where it went all the way to the Illinois State Supreme Court about the battle between food trucks and brick and mortar restaurants. And so you're in this unique space where you're a city official, but you're also a small business owner that is a food trucker. And so I'm curious to know, how have you worked to influence Dumfries as perhaps a food truck city? So it's, 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 that's a great question because I end up, when I get on, they were still trying to figure out how to create it. So I, I worked with the attorney and we crafted up some language. Of course, I couldn't vote on the legislation because of the simple fact that I could benefit from the legislation as a food truck owner. So uh, I didn't vote on it. Uh, I abstained from the vote and fully disclosed that I was a business owner. But just getting to understand, I was one of the leading ad advocates on the, um, talking to state officials, representative on the state level and the county level about the need to really, to really create ordinances that allow food trucks because the mobile food industry wasn't going nowhere like it's it's growing at a faster rate than restaurants at about five and a half to six percent a year and yet we still see a lot of cities that instead of using this as an opportunity to expand the city's portfolio because what we do know is that there are a lot of food trucks that all they want to be is food trucks and we can understand the pros to that as well leverage properly they could run even a higher profit margin than your brick and mortars in some cases once you get the logistics and the operations down but there are a lot of food trucks that it's their dream to start with a restaurant just as much as when you said you know you wasn't going into food trucks directly you was going for a brick and mortar but you got shot down a lot of people they go for the food truck as the first stepping stone, if you will, or the second stepping stone if they start out with pop-ups and selling plates so that they can get a brick and mortar in their city, which again leads to greater revenue for their city, their town, or their area. And some cities, some areas, some places, they have gotten to a place where they've been able to recognize that and they've been able to help put systems in place so that they can grow these small businesses that in turn yield to a greater revenue city profile, even have branded some of their cities and districts around that. So if you have, let's say there's another mayor out there, wherever, where, <laughs> who knows where they're at? And they're listening to this and they want to support the food truck scene, but they just don't know how. And like you just said earlier, there's a language around this. Speaking to the mayors that want to make a food truck city, what would be some of your advice that you would have for them? Use it as a way to drive tourism. Like use it as a way to promote uh, small business and entrepreneurial growth. Use it as a way, these micro businesses, right, which often get overlooked. Most mayors are looking for the, the slam run. They're looking for the Fortune 500, the Fortune 5,000 company. But the small business owner is the backbone of our communities, right? And giving them away. I know we often overlook the people who got the Mary Kays and the, uh, the Avons, right? And we overlook those micro businesses. And the food truck owner is one of those micro businesses that needs help and it needs assistance, right? So reach out, have roundtables with them and seek first to understand before you as a locality be understood because politics or our ordinances and our charters and 
our rules are very confusing to them. So have roundtable discussions, get with them, have them get involved with the Chamber of Commerce so that they can be lobbying issues, but embrace the change because change is the only constant we have in our communities. Yes, all of that. And so I'm curious to know now, have there been any processes to help streamline the application process? Because I know in some hometowns like mine, you're trying to start a food truck, you got to go to like TT and them, Uncle Joe and them, cousin and them, you got to go to everybody <laughs> to make sure that your food truck compliant. So it's, it's still the challenge of, you know, the health department being always that first stop to inspect those trucks, get the health. So they have one license. Then your localities have your business license. And then you have to find out where you're allowed to operate as far as land use. So it's almost like a three tier. I'm now, I don't know if you saw it, I'm transitioning a lot from the hands-on working in my business to now I'm coaching other mobile food mm-hmm. business owners, right? I'm becoming a mobile food mentor. I'm actually doing, I'm in the middle of a five-day challenge yep. now when I'm working with a group of uh, food truck, aspiring food truck and mobile food truck, even some private chefs where I'm training them on how to generate six figures and just showing them some of the secrets to marketing, where to go and find events, how to bootstrap and get money. And I'm I'm using my 10 years of experience to really fast track and give them the fast track to success because uh, success leaves clues. And all you got to do is find somebody who's successful and allow them to teach you uh, how to get to that spot. So, you know, I'm mentor. I even got a mentorship program where people can, I can walk with them for 90 days to get them through all the, the regulatory process because I know that language. Like yes. I am a, also a regulatory as well as the business owner. So I can help them look through their locality and show them how to get through faster than if they were doing it on their own. Listen, I'm excited about that because as I don't know if you're aware of this, you know, we have Keep Trucking University, which is the goal is to help people get started with their food truck, but also keep trucking. So I definitely am excited about possible ways that we can collaborate to support one another in this. Because I think, you know, there's some things that I'm aware of, but then there are things that a food trucker is an expert on. And so putting that community, that community together, I think is something that is really, really important. And so I'm excited to see it. I've been watching some of the channels. I haven't been able to catch all of it because this dissertation, but (laughs) I have been very, very excited to see all of the work that you're doing. And I think it's just absolutely beautiful and incredible because at the end of the day, what is happening is that food trucks, as beautiful as they are, as amazing as they are, they need a city that's going to have their back. And so that is the biggest push that I have, you know, yes, for the food truckers to have their own, you know, have their stuff together when they come forward so that they ready and they ready to hit the ground running. But also that a city says, you know what, these are stakeholders in our city. These are the leaders. These are the business developers and we need to have their back. No, I mean, that's a great point. I'm looking forward to um, what you're doing. I've even created a course for, for barbecue enthusiasms to come out their backyard called the Barbecue Business Masterclass. Yes. I've created, and it's, it's all self-paced. People can kind of go through uh, a real high power. I don't know if you can show a snippet of the, the video from that website, but that'd be cool for people to see like the, the Masterclass video promo to just showing people what I've taken them through. And I'm just excited about this next chapter because like my goal in 2022 is to help 20 people uh, earn six figures in the mobile food business and 
really showing them how to re uh, reverse engineer that and put that together. So I'm, I'm going to become that go-to coach over the next couple of years. And really, because I think a lot of people don't believe there's people out there that's willing to share yes. freely and give that information. And so, you know, I just create a mentorship. I ask people all the time, if I give you $100,000, how much is that worth to you? Would you give me, you know, if I was, if I was to say, give me 50,000 and I give you 100,000, would you pay that? Right. That's like you're doubling your money. But I don't charge 50,000, but that's just like saying, like, yeah. I want to to give people. Here's what I want to give you. I want to give you a hundred thousand. Really, they don't know the average food truck owner makes over two hundred thousand dollars a year. But I start them at a low barrier so they can see it. Right. And, and mindset is a big part of the area. We got to get people to believe and to see different because they don't see what's there. They only see what they've been programmed to see. And so my goal is to get people to think bigger, to imagine and to become more successful than they ever can imagine. That's the first section of my book is we talk about mindset because I can't talk about anything else about the food truck industry or any other industry. It doesn't matter. I could take the same thing with education. If the mindset isn't there, both the mindset to think bigger, but also the mindset to be committed to what it is that you're going to do. You know, the one thing that I'm hearing about your story through and through is the commitment. You know, the commitment to be like, okay, I don't know this, but I'm finna go figure something out. Just com commit first, figure the rest out later. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it has to work or it has to work. It's like, there's no plan B. I got one letter in my alphabet and that's letter A, right? And so I throw my hat over the fence and I'm at the point where I got to figure out how to climb that fence and go get my hat, right? And so it's who with me. Like, I don't waste any opportunity. Like, now is there's no opportunity wasted. And I been preparing like everything that I've done in my life has prepared me for this opportunity. And it's better to be prepared for opportunity and not have one than to have an opportunity, opportunity and not be prepared. prepared. I agree a thousand and ten percent. So let's get down to it. If you had one piece of advice for someone looking to start a food truck, what would it be? Make a decision that that's what you want to do and then commit to it. Right. Figure out what purpose isn't known. Abuse is inevitable. And the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but it's living your life without purpose. So you need to clearly define what your purpose is for getting into the food industry. What is it that you want to accomplish? And be clear about it. My mission is to create a festive environment to make you feel like you're still in my backyard. Right? Figure out what that mission is and then work to create that experience. Commit to it and then go all out. I mean, like Aoma, all out massive action. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Food Truck Scholar Podcast, brought to you by BGT Gifts. If you're looking for additional content to devour, visit thefoodtruckscholar.com and check out our book, upcoming courses, as well as events. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. But for now, I'm Ariel D. Smith signing off and reminding you to buy local, eat local, and support your neighborhood food truck. I'll see you soon.